Shall we pray? Isaiah says, The grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord endures forever. We thank you, Lord, that this is the power of your written word. It endures forever. We look at a psalm written about 3,000 years ago. Yet it is ever new. Speaks to us a psalm of David. And we pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit uses the words of David's psalm to speak to us today. This we pray in your name. Amen. My friend Michael lived on York Peninsula and he would go fishing in his little tinny boat. He had this tinny boat with a motor on the back and on, on, on one occasion he decided to uh, take it to Warolti Beach on York Peninsula. Now Warolti Beach is a very isolated beach. It's halfway between Port Victoria and Port, Port Rickaby on the western side of, of, of York Peninsula. And he drove his car, his four-wheel drive along the beach for quite quite a way. Then he launched his boat, his tinny boat, and he went out several hundred metres off of shore to fish. I don't know what happened. There was a problem with the motor or something or other, and he was at the back of the boat leaning over. Suddenly the motor went vroom, and he went out of the boat, toppled in the water as the boat went off. And uh, he's trying to get his bearings, he came up, etc. And he didn't re- realise that the, that the motor had been put on full lock, so the boat was doing a circle. And he looked up and his boat is coming straight over the top of him. And as he went under, he put up his hands and the propeller cut his hands to ribbons. And then the boat went off and he's out in the deep, deep water with blood streaming from his hands. He managed to swim to shore He gets on the beach, his hands are lacerated, there's blood everywhere, he's losing blood. He had to walk down the beach to find his vehicle, but of course the keys for the vehicle were out in the boat, which is still going out in the deep water. But he had a key wired underneath the bumper bar. So with these shredded, bleeding hands, he's trying to undo this wire that took ages. He finally got the key key, got himself in the car, but then he's feeling weak and woozy and he knew he needed help urgently. He knew of someone who lived fairly close by, an isolated spot, but if they weren't home, he's going to have to drive a lot more distance. So he drove his car and fortunately they were home and they could treat him and take him to the hospital and I'm glad to report that Michael made a full recovery. But what an experience. What a, what a desperate situation. And as I've told this story, maybe you've thought about your own lives and there's been desperate situations, almost a life and death situation, which you've come across and you've turned to God for help. Certainly that, that's what Michael did. Michael was a man of prayer and uh, I'm sure that he was praying for God to help him. And maybe his prayers reflected the prayer of David that we read today in Psalm 86. It's a psalm, but it's also a prayer. These are some of the words. Bend down, O Lord, and hear my prayer. Answer me, for I need you. Listen closely to my prayer, Lord. Hear my urgent cry. I will call to you whenever I'm in trouble, and you will answer me. So it would appear that David wrote this psalm because he was in a desperate situation. Why did he write these words? What was happening to him? Well, we have a clue towards the end of the psalm in verse 14 where David wrote, O God, insolent people rise up against me. A violent gang is trying to kill me. 
So David was in fear of his life. People were trying to kill him. Now, we may find ourselves in very difficult circumstances at times, but do we have to flee because people are trying to kill us? Hopefully not, but that was David's plight. There were two periods in in David's life when he was hunted by people trying to kill him. Firstly, during his youth, when King Saul became jealous of David, Saul was fixated and delusional about David, believing that people wanted David to be king, not himself. And he saw the answer to his problem was, problem was very simple, just kill David. So for a period of around 10 years, David was a fugitive during his 20s and 30s. He was hunted by Saul's men who were trying to kill him. Then later in David's life, many years after he had become king, his son Absalom usurped his father's throne and David had to flee for his life from Jerusalem with Absalom's supporters again seeking David's demise. So David wrote Psalm 86, a prayer seeking God's help during his desperate times. Now, the structure of Psalm 86 can be divided into four parts, four sections. First of all, verses 1 to 7, and a a heading would be a plea to God to listen and act. Then verses 8 to 10, with a heading, God is unique. Then verses 11 to 13, a heading, teach me the way of God. And finally, verses 14 to 17, the pattern repeats itself. So I want to move through this fairly quickly through the four sections. So the first section is a plea to God to listen and act. And I'm going to read you the first four verses. Bend down, O Lord, and hear my prayer. Answer me, for I need your help. Protect me, for I am devoted to you. Save me, for I serve you and trust you. You are my God. Be merciful to me, O Lord, for I am calling on you constantly. Give me happiness, O Lord, for I give myself to you. In these four verses, David pleads to God that he will give ear to David's prayer, that God will protect and save him, that God will be merciful to him in his time of need, and even give David happiness instead of being overcome by worry and desperation. But then we come to verse 5 and we notice that David's psalm which is a prayer, takes a different tack as he becomes overwhelmed with the goodness of God. So we look at verse 5. O Lord, you are so good, ready to forgive, so full of unfailing love for all you ask for, for all who ask for your help. Now what's going on here? We could say to David, now wait a minute, David, I thought you were in a desperate situation of life and death and in fear for your very life, but now you are praising God and you seemed overwhelmed by the goodness of God, what about your plea for help in your desperate situation? But here David teaches us all a lesson. His psalm prayer began in a very self-centred way. Save me, Lord. Have mercy on me. Give me happiness. But his self-centeredness has given way to praise. His self-centeredness has gone to God-centeredness. His prayer has shifted focus from his surrounding problems to God. 
There's a lesson for us all. In times of desperation, shift the focus from the problem itself to God. For like David, we can realise afresh that God is good. There's the lesson for us all. In times of desperation, shift our focus from the problem to God. God is good. He stands ready to help anyone who calls out to him because God is full of unfailing love. Put another way, God's love never fails. If we take nothing else away from this message today, we need to burn that one into our brains. God loves, God's love never fails. In times of trouble, lift our eyes, lift our eyes above the problem that surrounds you. And you can see the difference with the body language from this to this. From my problems around me, oh woe, to how good is God. This is exactly what another psalmist suggests in one of our favourite psalms, Psalm 121. Remember the way in which it begins? I will lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord who made both heaven and earth. The psalmist has learned the secret in times of trouble. I'll lift up my eyes to the hills, to something greater than me. I will lift up my eyes to the goodness of God. It does our soul good to know that we are surrounded by God's unfailing love. Then we come to the second section of the psalm, verses 8 to 12. The theme is God is unique. No pagan God is like you, O Lord. None can do what you do. All the nations you made will come and bow down before you, Lord. They will praise your holy name. For you are great and perform wonderful deeds. You alone are God. It would seem that in Old Testament times there were no atheists. Everyone, every society, seemed to believe in some kind of God. We know, of course, that most of this was idol worship, worshipping man-made gods, which were, of course, no gods at all, just inanimate objects worshipped as though they were a god. Therefore, it was impossible for someone to have a personal relationship with these false idol gods. I mean, they were just pieces of stone or wood or metal, shaped by human hands. They were not living. Now, because of their superstitions, people attributed all kinds of weather events to the work of these idols. If there was a famine or flood, then their gods must be angry and must be appeased. If there was a good season, the gods must be offered thank offerings. But opposite to this, David tells us in Psalm 86, No pagan god is like you, O Lord, for you are great and you perform wonderful deeds. Only the one true God is a God of unfailing love. The amazing thing is that the one true God of the universe desired a relationship with David. And the amazing thing is the one true God of the universe desires a relationship with you and me. And this section also contains verse 9, which is a word of prophecy. It's snuck in here. All nations 
you made will come to bow before you, Lord. They will praise your holy name. These words look forward many years to the future, to the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. As, for, as Philippians chapter 2 states, that when Jesus makes his glorious return, that, every, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. In short, when Jesus returns, all the nations will bow before him just as Psalm 86 predicts. We come to the third section of the psalm, verses 11 to 13. The theme is, teach me the way of God. Teach me your ways, O Lord, that I may live according to your truth. Grant me purity of heart that I may honour you. With all my heart I will praise you. O Lord my God, I will give glory to your name forever. For your love for me is great and you have rescued me from the depths of death. Have you ever come across this description of prayer? It's more a description of how God answers prayer. When the request is wrong, God says no. When the timing is wrong, God says slow. When we are wrong, God says grow. When the request is right and the timing is right and we are right, God says go. It's that third line I particularly want to focus on at the moment. When we are wrong, God says, grow. This little saying teaches us one of the purposes of prayer. Through prayer, we can praise and thank God. We can present our request before him. But also through prayer, we can grow. Through prayer, we can change. Some say that through prayer... God can change our circumstances, certainly, or God can change us. Prayer can change us when we change our focus and lift our eyes to God. We can grow in faith. We can grow to be more Christ-like. That is what David is saying in Psalm 86. Lord, as I pray for your deliverance, as I now focus on your goodness Something is happening to my spirit. I'm being convicted by your Holy Spirit. Lord, not only am I overcome by your goodness, but I also want to become more like you. I want to know your truth. I want a pure heart that will honour you. I want to give glory to your name forever. In Christian terms, we, we could say that when we lift our eyes to the goodness of God, our prayer can become, help me to become more like Jesus. And then we come to the final section of the psalm, verses 14 to 17. The heading is, the pattern repeats. The pattern that David shows us is repeated. Verses 14 and 15. O oh God, insolent people rise up against me. A violent gang is trying to kill me. You mean nothing to them. But you, O oh Lord, are a God of compassion and mercy, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. What we notice in the first part of Psalm 86, we notice again. Firstly, David is consumed by his desperate situation. 
A violent gang is trying to kill me. He's very self-centered. But he again lifts his eyes to see the goodness of God. He becomes God-centered. But you, O Lord, are a God of compassion and mercy, slow to get angry, filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. And there in itself is an answer to David's prayer. All his stress and worries and fear seem to disappear in the words, but you, O Lord, are a God of compassion and mercy, slow to get angry, filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. And how can we be stressed and overcome in a desperate situation if we too own these words, if we too look at the goodness of God and lift our eyes above our surrounding situation to God himself? But you, O Lord, are a God of compassion and mercy, slow to anger, filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. Then finally... David asked for a sign that God has heard him and will act. Send me a sign of your favour, then those who hate me will be put to shame. For you, O Lord, help and comfort me. Send me a sign of your favour, he prays. For us, surely the greatest sign of God's favour toward us is in Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Jesus, the greatest sign in the history of the world that God loves us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God through Jesus loves us so much that Jesus gave his life to save us from our selfishness and sin. He paid the ultimate price to set us free. David prayed, Lord, send me a sign of your favour. He's done it. God has done it for us. How do we know God loves us? How do we know that God favours us? All we have to do is look to Jesus. Amen. We're going to have a time of reflection now to just reflect about that message and re reflect about, I don't know whether we're in a desperate situation today, but certainly we're all surrounded by trials and troubles and worries. And to lift our heads, to not focus on our problem, the circumstances, but to lift our heads and focus on the goodness of God. So in private prayer, let's do that for a few moments. Lord God, it could be that some here today are in a desperate situation. But all of us have some worry upon our minds, 
the circumstances of life are crowding in around us. But David has given us a secret today, not to be self-centred but to be God-centred, to dwell on the goodness of God. And so, Lord, we dwell upon the fact that you are good, that you are a God of compassion and mercy, slow to anger, filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. Lord, when we get down, help us to lift our eyes to the hills, to God, the great God who created the whole universe. And thank you, Lord, that you've given us a sign of your favour. We know you love us because of Jesus. So thank you for your unfailing love. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.